DCS and Jigs to our meeting. Um, CR Bonani, uh, are we ready to immediately go and start our meeting? Good morning, Chair. We are ready to start. Thank you very much. Um, is the Acting National Commissioner here or who is leading the DCS team? Chairperson, uh, maybe just before we start, uh, we, we received uh, two apologies from the Minister and the Deputy Minister. Okay. Thank you. Welcome, Inspecting Judge. I have not seen you. Good morning, Chair. To How are you? Good, good, good. Thank you. Um, is your team, uh, Inspecting Judge, uh, also here and ready for... Indeed, Mr. Chair. Uh, we will be presenting. I will do a few brief introductory comments, which I will circulate to the committee. And then Ms. Temelichle and Gemma will present on our bill. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can I just uh, verify DCS, who is leading the team? Uh, good morning, Mr. President and uh, honorable members. Um, I am, yes, I am leading the team um, because of the uh, apologies that have been uh, presented, uh, honorable chairperson. Okay. Uh, yes. No, th th thank you very much, uh, Acting Commissioner. Uh, I think let's get straight to it, uh, Honorable Mombos. We start with you, Acting Commissioner, or do you want to start first, uh, Inspecting Judge? We're in your hands, uh, Mr. Chair, and, and the committee's hands. Fine. Obviously, I think you go first. I want both of you to be in the meeting throughout because the issues are so relevant to both of you. Um, thank you. Inspecting Judge, do you, want, do you mind kicking off with your team? I'm happy to do so, Mr. Chair. Thank uh, you. And I say good morning to you and to your honourable members. Uh, as the committee is keenly aware, the Constitutional Court handed down its order in Sonke on the 4th of December 2020. That order determined that there were unconstitutional defects in JIX's statutory framework, and the court gave all of us two years to fix those problems. Those two years expire today exactly in two years' time at midnight on 3 December 2022. Both JIX and the department, Mr. Chair, have been working hard to meet this deadline. Jix acknowledges and appreciates in particular the commitment of Acting National Commissioner Obakale and more particularly the hard work of Mr. Jacques van Beek that he has demonstrated in trying to get these two twin statutes before the committee in uh, enactable form. Uh, I think if I remember correctly last month, uh, Mr. van Beek made a promise to Jix about getting something in order for the committee, and I think he even worked over the Easter committee, uh, Easter weekend, and he delivered 
uh, ahead of time. Even predating the Songke judgment, Mr. Chair, JICS has been resolute in seeking to ensure that its statute provides it with adequate powers, protected by proper levels of independence, and for this purpose, it prepared a draft bill. With the deadline now fast approaching, it is necessary for the formal legislative process to proceed with all necessary dispatch. Uh, Mr. Chair, if you don't mind my saying so, uh, I notice that the, uh, my colleague, uh, Judge uh, Brian Mashile uh, from the NCCS is also present, and I'm particularly overjoyed uh, to to and to to moment uh, uh, um, and to mention him personally and honour him. Uh, Mr. Chair, the Department, Minister Lamola and GDJX are all in agreement that three parallel processes must proceed together. First, the enactments necessary to the existing Correctional Services Act, which uh, Acting National Commissioner and Mr. Van Dijk will shortly present. Secondly, enacting JIX's draft bill, which Ms. Tembelichle and Clancy and Gema will shortly present. And thirdly, JIX's organizational form. And that's where I want to spend the next three or four minutes, Mr. Chair. JIX highly values the committee's insight into the critical importance of prison oversight. Oversight, of course, is not a goal in itself. It is a practical way to enhance transparency and accountability. The overriding objective is to secure safe and humane prisons and I've always emphasized, as you know, Mr. Chair, that this is, of course, primarily for inmates, but it's also for the personnel who guard them. Uh, the institutional dysfunctionality that JIX guards against protects also the operational working conditions of the personnel that we require to guard inmates. On this, Mr. Chair, the Constitutional Court found that correctional centers are fertile breeding grounds for autocracy and human rights uh, abuses. I'm quoting. The court said that the vulnerability of inmates and the real possibility of infringing their life, rights to life, dignity, bodily security, and human dignity imposes a positive obligation on the state to provide appropriate protection. And finally, Mr. Chair, the court uh, rule that independence is an inherent uh, characteristic of successful oversight. And adequate independence, the court ruled, is secured not only through structural, op operational, and financial independence, but obviously also, as we held in the Glenister judgment, through the public's perception of independence. The public must, there, there's a functionality in the public knowing and trusting that, uh, that our organs of state uh, uh, operate independently. This is highly pertinent, Mr. Chair, to the draft bill that you will shortly be hearing about. In addition, I want to emphasize to the committee, and truly, Mr. Chair, I'm actually seeking to enlist the active support uh, of the committee in this. We know that we have the acting commissioner. We know we have uh, its drafts person, Mr. Van Beek. We know we have Minister Lamola's support and we seek to enlist the committee as well. JIX formulated a convincing business case for its institutional autonomy. A fully representative and inclusive interdepartmental assessment committee soundly recommended that JIX should become a national government component, 
This was embraced in a rigorous process by the then Minister of Public Service, uh, Minister Mpunu, and of course by Minister Lamola and also by DCS. And because of this, JIX has come forward with practicable costing and staffing models. All of these steps included insight and input from National Treasury. Despite this, we've, uh, we've received some measure of pushback from Treasury. We know and we are grateful to the minister who is engaging actively with Minister Gorongwana, and he believes that he uh, is achieving some progress there. JICS as a national, as an independent national government component, will not unduly strain the fiscus. It's already an existing governmental organization operating efficiently on a lean budget. JICS proposes that further funding that is necessary can come through a phased-in approach from DCS's underspending. As the committee heard last year, and uh, uh, Mr. Chair, your member, uh, uh, the Honorable Ms. Breitenbach MP, had choice words for that. Uh, The Treasury proposed that JICS be folded into the SAHRC. We humbly submit and respectfully submit that this is plainly impracticable and retrogressive. I haven't used uh, Ms. Breitenbach's choice words uh, because, like her, I'm a lawyer. The, there are fundamental differences between JICS and SAHRC. JICS is a specialized, focused, tightly run, nationally visible, statutorily created oversight body with specialist knowledge of the complex corrections environment. Absorbing JICS into the SAC, SAHRC will secure no cost benefit at all. The outlay is our personnel and that will continue. Embedding JICS within SAHRC imperils the specificity of JICS's mandate and risks diffusing JICS's strengths and skills. To effectively and efficiently discharge our oversight mandate as the Constitutional Court requires, it is essential that JICS be embodied in a fully independent and properly funded government component with autonomy. And for this, as I said, Mr. Chair, we seek the support, encouragement, the clout, and the commitment of this committee. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable uh, Inspector Judge. Thank you for those uh, very enlightening uh, introductory remarks. I must also add my voice and welcome Judge Mashile, who will speak to you later. Thank you for that. Would you want us now to go to the presentation? Please. Uh, we're in your hands with your team. Ms. Tembelikle and Flamzi and Gemma, on the mandate of our CEO, Mr. Vic Misser, will now present. Uh, greetings, uh, uh, Honourable Chair, Honourable Members, Inspecting Judge Justice Edwin Cameroon, Judge Mashile, Acting National Commissioner, CEO, colleagues from JICS, and colleagues from uh, DCS. I will now present to you the JICS draft bill. It's version 20 of our draft bill, and our presentation will cover the following topics the purpose of the bill, uh, background of the bill, and 
the latest engagements between GICS, uh, Minister's Office and DM, National Commissioner, and DCS Legal Services, which the IJ has already touched on. And lastly, uh, lastly I will give summary of each uh, chapter in the draft bill. I'm going to ask uh, Ms. Cupido to zoom in on to uh, slide three, which speaks to the purpose of the bill. What is purpose of Jig's bill? It is to give a uh, effect. Just hold there because we want to follow you. This it's not oh. flighted. Flight. Okay. Then can that be flighted, please? Uh, can you not see it, um, Chairperson? Because it's according to my screen, it is flighted. Oh, okay. It is, it I is also showing on my screen. Thank you. Thank you. I can see now. Thank you. Okay. What is purpose of the JITS draft bill? It is to give effect to Section 85, Subsection 1 of the Correctional Services Act, which establishes an independent judicial inspectorate for correctional services under the control of the inspecting judge. It is to give effect to the Constitutional Court's judgment in Sonke Gender Justice versus the President. It is to regulate powers and appointment of the IJ, CEO, and JICS in general. It is also also to strengthen JIC's mandate to ensure effective and efficient oversight. It is to provide for mandatory reporting obligations and cooperation by officials of the Department of Correctional Services, and also to guarantee functional independence of JIC's as a member of the National Preventive Mechanism. We can move to the next slide. We are going to look at the background of the JIGS uh, draft bill. <clears throat> the background of the JIGS draft bill, we found it in the constitution, which requires uh, that conditions of incarceration and detention are consistent with human dignity. Section 85 of the Correctional Services Act also provides for the establishment of JICS as an independent office under the control of the IJ. In 2019, South Africa ratified the optional protocol to the Convention Against Torture and Other Cruel, Inhumane or Degrading Treatment or punishment shortly opted. It requires every state party to establish and maintain an, an NPM for the prevention of torture at the domestic level. Article 18 of OPCAT requires every state party to guarantee functional independence and independence of the personnel of the NPM. If we can move to the next slide, uh, Ms. Cupido, this uh, slide specifically deals with the litigation instituted by Songe in the Western Cape Western Cape High Court, wherein Section 98, Section 88A1B, and Section 88A4 were declared invalid insofar as it failed to guarantee JIG's independence. This was later confirmed by the Constitutional Court uh, in December 4, 2020, where the court underscored the importance of a properly functioning oversight body such as JIG's. 
and that independence, structural, operational, and perceived is an inherent characteristic of an oversight body. The court thus confirmed that section 91 and section 881B are constitutionally invalid and provided a constitutionally complied interpretation of section 88A4. Section 88A4 is that section that dealt with the, the, the matters relating to the misconduct and incapacity of the CEO. The declaration of invalidity is suspended for 24 months. The IJ has already alluded to the fact that we are left with six months to that uh, uh, period of 24 months of uh, suspension. These, uh, the next slide, please, Ms. Kibido. These developments uh, then make it imperative for JICS uh, independence to be affirmed through its own governing statutes in order to address lack of independence of JICS. If we can move to the next slide, seven. Uh, this slide, uh, Chairperson and Honorable Members, it uh, deals with the consultation of stakeholders that JICS consulted uh, in the midst of preparing this JICS uh, uh, draft bill. We have consulted with the Office of the Chief State Law Advisor, the Department of Correctional Services, African Policing Civilian Oversight Forum, Africa Criminal Justice Forum, Just Detention International, Accountability Now, South African Human Rights Commission, the Department of Public Service and Administration, and National Treasury, and the Department of Justice and Constitutional uh, Development. We have a database where we are keeping all the comments we have received, and we have incorporated some amendments that we have received from these stakeholders. Uh, I'm not going to bore you with the latest and engagements that have taken place between our office and the office of the minister, wherein uh, we reached an agreement that the, uh, the correctional services amendment and draft bill must run concurrently in parallel processes because the inspecting judge has already touched on that. If we can now uh, move uh, to slide uh, nine, Ms. Cupido. Uh, this slide uh, deals with the amendments to the Correctional Services Act, which I believe that uh, Mr. Feinberg will deal with it extensively. So I'm not going to touch it unless I am directed to do so. But I believe my uh, learned friend from DCS will uh, discuss the amendments to the Correctional Services Act. If we can then just move to slide 10. From this slide going forward, we are looking at each chapter of the JITS draft bill and giving a short description of what each chapter contains. Chapter one of the JITS draft bill, which has sections one to four, uh, deals with the definitions and uh, provides that JITS is an independent office from the department and it is under the control of the IJ. It articulates the objects of the bill once it is enacted, which is to, among other things, to ensure independent and efficient oversight of the treatment of inmates and conditions of correctional and remand detention facilities. If we may slide a slide, uh, the next slide. 
which contains chapter two of the GIFS draft bill. It, uh, this chapter provides for the functions of the GIFS national office. It outlines the appointment processes of the IAJ, as well as the term of service and the powers, functions, and duties of the IAJ. It further outlines the appointment processes of the CEO, as well as the term of service and the functions and duties of the CEO. This is one of the issues that was challenged in the Songa matter. This chapter now addresses that lack of independency. It also details the appointment processes and functions of staff, and special uh, assistance, and finally, it permits delegations and assignments. If we may please move to the next slide, dealing with uh, Chapter 3 of the GIFS draft bill. Uh, it deals with the regional offices. Uh, it, it establishes GIFS regional offices and aligns them with the department structure. There is one designated regional office per region. In addition, it outlines the appointment process as well as the function duties of, and duties of the regional managers to head each regional office. If we may move to the next slide. Uh, chapter 4 of the Duke's Draft Bill contains the functions, duties, and powers of inspectors and investigators. This chapter outlines the appointments, powers, functions, and duties of inspectors and investigators. In doing so, it places certain obligations on the department to cooperate with Duke's inspectors and investigators. It also provides for inspectors and investigators to take photographs or use visual or auditory material subject to the conditions and safeguards. It also includes a national inspection plan and outlines the matters to be investigated by JITS. It further includes clauses on limitation of liability and conflicts of interest and disclosure of interest for JITS staff members and officials. If we may move to the next slide with Chapter 5 of the JITS bill, it deals with the inmates' complaints. Uh, the IJ may deal with various complaints from inmates. It outlines the powers, functions, and duties of the IJ when dealing with complaints. The IJ must, after an investigation has been conducted, and upon receipt of all necessary documents and material, make a finding and recommendations to the department, including the taking of disciplinary steps against officials or referring criminal matters to relevant authorities. The department must finish chips with details of the steps taken to resolve the complaints and where findings or recommendations are not accepted, the department must give reasons thereof. If we may move to... Uh, Slide 15, Chapter 6 of the JITS Draft Bill. It deals with the Correctional Center monitors. And once this bill is enacted, what is currently known as Independent Correctional Center visitors will be called Correctional Center monitors. This chapter deals with the appointment of Correctional Center monitors. It outlines their duties, term of service, and powers. Correctional center monitors must visit, interview inmates in public or private facilities, record complaints from inmates, monitor and report on the progress of their complaints. 
they are also appointed by the CEO in consultation with the IJ and the relevant regional manager. Heads of center must assist correctional center monitors in the performance of their powers, functions, and duties. If request from a correctional center monitor is refused, the dispute is referred to the IJ, whose decision is final. If we may move to the next slide. It's dealing with chapter seven of the Jigs draft bill. Uh, it deals with the stakeholders committee, which is, uh, is, is currently known as visitors committee. And once this bill is, it, is enacted, they will be called stakeholders committee. Uh, this chapter deals with their powers, functions, and duties. Their stakeholders committee consists of various stakeholders, including officials from the department, members of the NPM, and non-governmental organizations. The stakeholders committee must meet and deal with unresolved complaints and other relevant issues. The stakeholders committee must provide the public and community's interest and involvement in correctional matters. And lastly, the stakeholders committee must submit may submit complaints it cannot resolve to the office of the inspecting judge if we may move to the next slide dealing with chapter eight uh, the finances accountability and reporting the CEO is responsible to account financially on behalf of JICS. This chapter outlines how JICS will be funded and cross-references Section 91 of the Correctional Services Act. This is one of the issues that was challenged in the song litigation, and it has now been corrected in the draft bill, and the Correctional Services and the Correctional Services Amendment will also address the issue of the appointment of, of, of the finances of JICS. It also includes how JICS will report on its activities and account financially. The IJ reports to the Minister and Portfolio Committee on all activities of JICS. The IJ submits quarterly reports and the annual report to the President and the Minister. If we may move to the next slide, it's um, the chapter nine of the draft bill. It deals with the offenses and penalties. This chapter regulates uh, offenses and penalties. It is an offense for any person to interfere with, hinder or obstruct the IJ or any chief officials in performing their duties and functions. It is also an offense to impersonate an, an inspector or an investigator. It places duties on chief staffs and officials to make disclosure, but also not to disclose certain information. It also includes secrecy or confidentiality clauses. If we may move to the next slide. This slide deals with, it's chapter 10 of the draft bill. It deals with a recommendation regarding disciplinary steps taken against officials of the department and disciplinary measures. This chapter intends to give JITS teeth to actually bite where necessary. The IJ may recommend that disciplinary steps be taken against an official of the department after an investigation for any failure to comply with this Act. The IJ must report any failure by an official of the department to comply with the mandatory reporting obligations in terms of Section 95D of the Correctional Services Act to the National Commissioner, the Portfolio Committee, and may 
recommend disciplinary steps to be taken to be taken against the official. This section 9, 90, 95D now extends mandatory reporting uh, incidents to include, amongst other things, sexual violations, attempted suicide, hunger strike, assault, inmate on official, and others. The National Commissioner may institute disciplinary proceedings. If the National Commissioner declines to take disciplinary uh, steps against the official, the National Commissioner must finish the IJ with a written reasons why the disciplinary <coughs> actions was not taken. And the National Commissioner must submit a quarterly report to the IJ on progress made regarding disciplinary action recommended. If we may move to the next slide. It's the last chapter of the bill, chapter 11, that deals with the regulations, transitional arrangements, the repeal, short title, and, and commandments. This chapter empowers the Minister of Justice and Constitutional Development in consultation with IJ to make regulations, and also it makes provisions for transitional arrangements, which is still outstanding at this moment, and it also includes a short title and commandments. That will be the end of the presentation of the Chief's Draft Bill version 20. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Tembeleke. Uh, Inspecting Judge or CEO, any final word or addition on the presentation? Not from our side. Many thanks, uh, Chairperson. Uh, CEO, Mr. Missa. Uh, good morning, Honourable Chair. Good morning, um, uh, judges on the platform and uh, all honourable members. Uh, yes, I think uh, it's uh, it's captured uh, well there on our presentations to you, um, um, esteemed uh, committee. Uh, we now look forward to the presentation of uh, DCS on the uh, proposed uh, amendments to the Correctional Services Act, and that will sink in with the uh, version 20 that we've just presented to you now. And I'm sure that would give you a, a much more overview of uh, the parallel process that we talk of uh, trying to move uh, what we would call amendments to the Correctional Services Act, and most importantly, the presentation of legislation uh, to enable JIGS uh, to perform its mandatory functions. Uh, thank you, Honorable Chair. Thank you, Judge. Thank you. Uh, honorable members, uh, do you want to quickly get into your comments or questions on this uh, presentation? Uh, I note uh, Honorable Yano Albrecht, followed by Honorable Olangola, followed by Honorable Kioli Sayako, and followed by Honorable Werner Horn and uh, Honorable Valmanivo Drachen, in that order. Uh, Honorable Jan Engelbrecht. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Chair. Sorry for uh, my voice, but I've got a little bit of a bronchitis um, that I have to deal with right now. Um, I, I, I have questions on, on, on Jig's presentation, but I, if I, if I might propose that, can we perhaps have uh, DCS's presentation so that when we uh, come with our questions, we have a, a more uh, informed 
view from both these uh, entities that we can then then pose our questions um, after we've we've heard from DCS. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Chair. Or uh, otherwise, I can raise my questions right now. Just, just, hold, just hold, Diana. Uh, that's a request, honourable members. Uh, do we agree that we put them together and then we have one? clarity or discussion on them it, it looks very fair request to me can we move in that way i think it makes sense that's fine thank you thank you very much uh, just hold back uh, your your contributions then can i ask uh, our acting commissioner Tabakale, uh, to quickly share the, the dacs uh, presentation and uh, Ladies. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Um, our presentation uh, will be presented uh, under the branch uh, Human Resources, the CDC Ramuli on the platform. We, however, have uh, the subject uh, a specialist on the matter, uh, Mr. Jack Van Lake, is the one who will then make the presentation. While I'm on the platform, Honorable Chairperson, let me also greet and acknowledge the presence of uh, the expecting judge, the inspecting judge, and also Judge Machine. I didn't do that earlier on. Uh, thank you, Honorable Chairperson. With your permission, we can then proceed with the presentation. I'm going to request that the colleagues don't get into the background and the reasons. Those matters have been covered uh, quite extensively by the chief presentation. We'll only deal with the issues. Um, that have to do with the progress thus far and uh, the proposal with regards to how do we proceed uh, to ensure that we comply with the constitutional uh, court judgment given timelines and the remaining uh, period that we still have to work within. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you, Acting Commissioner. We're in the hands of your team. Good morning, Honorable Chairperson, <clears throat> Honorable Judges, and Honorable Members. I'm Jacques van Weyck from Legal Services, Correctional Services. Go ahead, Jacques. Thank you very much, Mr. Chair. Yes, um, I'm not going to allude to the background. It's been, uh, secondly, um, <clears throat> uh, exposed and, and deliberated on or, or discussed uh, or presented. Yes, in, in principle, the Sankey judgment related to two issues in the main uh, regarding the issues concerning the CEO of JICS and also the funding of JICS. Um, it is correct that since 2011, um, Correctional Services or JICS has uh, compiled and drafted a first version of the of the JICS bill. Um, and also at the same, more or less the same time, <coughs> the business case uh, to be become a separate government entity. Um, as we are standing here, <clears throat> we have to comply with the Constitutional Court judgment by the 3rd of December uh, this year. And um, since we have started the initial idea in, in, in curing the, the impugned sections, as was confirmed by the Constitutional Court in 2020, uh, was through the JICS bill. However, <clears throat> the issue concerning the, the funding model and business model of JICS uh, has not been finalized, and that has a profound impact at ultimately on the wording uh, of either 
uh, bill, be it the Correctional Services Amendment Bill or the JIGS Bill. And we did, yes, and we did agree that there will be parallel processes and we have engaged to such extent. Um, we are fully cooperative in ensuring that ultimately uh, a JIGS Bill will, will see the light and, and will be taken through the processes. Um, however, Correctional Services are of the view um, and it's also um, echoed by, by an opinion sourced from the Office of the Chief State Law Advisor that the issues concerning the business case and funding model of JICS has to be finalized first before that bill uh, can pass through its processes. In the meantime, we have to comply with the court order and therefore, <clears throat> as also recommended by the Office of the Chief State Law Advisor, that uh, a separate correctional service amendment bill um, be taken through the processes to ensure that we comply with the court order. Now, in brief, um, the bill has been has been presented to the NCCS in terms of Section 84 of the Correctional Services Act uh, for the necessary advices to be provided to the minister. Um, it has also been deliberated at, uh, at length with with Jigs. Uh, it has also been presented to DEFCOM um, and DEFCOM referred it back uh, for a legal opinion which we have we are which we are waiting for from the office of the chief state law advisor um, that the appointment uh, that this uh, as it currently stands the CEO of Jigs cannot be uh, appointed as the accounting officer because it will be <coughs> um, in contradiction with section 36 of the public finance management act uh, as the CEO currently is not equivalent to a DG. Um, be that as it may, I'm just going to focus for now on, on the, those issues that are contained in the bill. Uh, I'm sure that you were provided with, with uh, the draft bill. If not, I'm just going to briefly go through it. Um, the, first, the first section of the amendment bill seeks to amend certain division, uh, to insert such, uh, certain definitions. Into the act, the first one being head of the remand detention facility, uh, which is not currently provided for in the Correctional Services Act, although there are numerous uh, referrals to, to, to that term. Um, and it basically just means a correctional official designated by the National Commissioner to manage and control a particular remand detention facility. In principle, this is the same. Um, um, in principle, this is the same as the um, this is in principle the same um, definition as head of correctional center. Then the second definition is that of sexual violation, and the third is is that of torture, uh, which is to be found in the in the proposed newly proposed section 95D, which I'll discuss just now. Then further. And to 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 amplify and codify amplify through codification of uh, the rights of offenders in sections 30 and 31, talking about uh, which talks about segregation and uh, mechanical or just normal restraints, and those inmates that are subjected thereto, uh, that they must be informed of their right to appeal to the inspecting judge, and that they may refer the matter to the inspecting judge who must decide thereon within 72 hours. What basically is inserted is that they must be informed of the right to appeal, which currently is 
um, omitted from the current uh, provision. Then further, also both in sections 30 and 31, uh, is to is to strengthen uh, the, the 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 cooperation between correctional services and JICS. In that a provision is made that upon request, the head of correctional centre or a remand detention facility must provide its um, must provide all information and documentation within 24 hours after receiving such a request from the inspecting judge. And this is obviously concerning segregation issues and also um, restraint issues of, of inmates. Then um, further to, to that, in Section 88A, um, Section 88A1B, that is one of the impugned sections in the Sanke judgment. Now, currently it says is a, the CEO is accountable to the National Commission of All Monies Received. We propose that the accounting officer of the, uh, we propose that it be amended to read the accounting officer, uh, is the accounting officer of the judicial inspectorate, however. And as I've mentioned earlier, that is in contradiction currently with section 36, and we seek, we, we've seeked an opinion from the office of the chief state law advisor on, on, on how that specific section or subsection can be amended. Um, so we are just waiting for that uh, for that opinion. We've asked it on an urgent on an urgent basis. Um, then further to that, uh, we have taken out the provision that talks about is appointed by the national commissioner uh, that is deleted, um, and then also we've brought in into subsection three uh, the issue of career incidents. It's just a mere add-on to extend the rights. Uh, and obligations um, created thereby. And then uh, finally, in terms of Section 88A4, um, we've just basically inserted where it reads, it starts reading any matters relating to misconduct in the capacity of the CEO, and we've inserted vests in the inspecting judge who shall refer his or her decision to the Minister of Justice Correctional's uh, Constitutional Development for implementation. Previously, it was referred uh, matters concerning the misconduct or incapacity of the CEO was previously referred, or currently it, it, it provides that it uh, must be referred to the National Commissioner. They were also ensuring that uh, the perception of independence uh, is enhanced uh, and that, in fact, and in reality, the independence of JICS is enhanced through, through that um, provision, through that amendment, proposed amendment. Then following um, the next section, section 91 of the Correctional Services Act, also one of the impugned sections that were found constitutionally invalid, uh, talks about the expenses of, of the judicial inspectorate. Currently it reads, the department is responsible for all expenses of the judicial inspectorate. The, pro the pro proposed amendment, and this is also in light of the fact that the business model and funding model of JICS has not been finally decided upon and has not been resolved yet. We have uh, proposed that uh, to read expenditure incidental to the performance of the functions of the judicial inspectorate shall be defrayed from money appropriated by parliament. This has also been um, the, the view and opinion of the office of the chief state law advisor, wherein it said that um, they are quite happy with that uh, amendment, as it's also in line with precedent set in the National Prosecuting Act, which has a similar provision, and also um, the act concerning IPAD. Then finally, 
uh, it's proposed to insert a new section 95D talking about the mandatory reporting obligations of the department to uh, to the JICS. Um, it encapsulates some of the reporting already provided for in the Act uh, in various sections, such as section 15, 30, 31, etc., talking about death of, the reporting of death of inmates, uh, segregation, restraints, etc., and then also adding uh, those that my learned colleague has already referred to. Um, in addition, to to ensure that that all the provisions and obligations of the department regarding mandatory reporting is encapsulated into one uh, section, uh, which is more user friendly at the end of the day for those who have to comply with it. Um, so the additions have been made, and those additions also flow from inst in in international instruments that were ratified by the Republic of South Africa, uh, and, and needs uh, to, needed to be updated as well. Um, <clears throat> then that is basically the draft bill. Then I can just mention that the envisaged plan um, is to finalise uh, presentations to to DEFCOM after we've secured the opinion from the Office of the Chief State Advisor concerning the uh, accountability and the provision concerning the CEO with its finances and the responsibility for the finances received on behalf of Cheeks. Um, taking it through DEFCOM again and then taking it through the JCPS cluster DG's uh, meeting, um, um, committee meeting, as well as the JCPS cluster uh, ministers and then obviously uh, through cabinet committees and cabinet, uh, and it's envisaged that uh, it be presented and uh, at the end of the day to cabinet in, in June 2022, which is this month. Um, in the meantime, while that is going on, the finality on the, on the business model uh, and uh, the funding model of JIGS is then uh, awaited, and as, as soon as secured, then the, the issue, uh, then the JIGS bill can then be finalised in, in line with, with such decision and, and taken through its processes to be ultimately um, enacted or taken through the processes to be enacted at the end of the day. And by that time, there will also be another Correctional Services Amendment Bill, which will then talk, talk about and talk to the repealing of, of relevant sections in the Correctional Services Act uh, updating of certain division, uh, definitions in the in the Act um, with references to to to, to those uh, provisions in in the in the newly formed uh, Jigs or ultimately Jigs uh, Act uh, through the bill, and and that is and that is the plan of action with regards to these parallel processes, which we reiterate is definitely uh, on the go. Um, I can just quickly, if I just look at my last notes, I can just mention that we've already secured a, a CIAS uh, exemption certificate uh, from the from the presidency in terms of, with regard to the CSA bill. Um, Mr. Honourable Chair, I think that is uh, that is our presentation. Um, and that is the, the, the way the way forward and action plan was uh, Created some time ago, it was distributed to all role players, and uh, <clears throat> to ensure that at the end of the day we comply with uh, with the court order. It is our submission that at the end of the day, the, it, it, it's 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 a necessity and it's essential that the correctional services amendment bill be taken through its paces first, 
so that we can comply with the constitutional court judgment. And then as soon as those uh, outstanding issues have been resolved regarding JICS, then a JICS bill will then be taken through its basis as well and through the processes. Um, I'm sure I did not, uh, I'm sure I covered everything. And with your permission, that is, uh, that is our presentation. Thank you for the opportunity, Honorable Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Van Weyck. Um, if there's no further addition, Mr. Tobakhali, I want to go straight to the members. No further additions, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, Honorable uh, Engelbrecht, I had uh, uh, held you back. I want to go straight to you and thank you for the intervention. You now have the opportunity. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Yes. Um, uh, and thank you for the presentations. Uh, I've got a few issues. Uh, firstly, um, I think I would just voice my uh, support and agreement for the inspecting judge in terms of the notion that JICS uh, should be incorporated into the Human Rights Commission, which I think um, uh, under current economic circumstances might make uh, good sense, but I don't think um, that complies with the, the very reason uh, Jigs exists, um, and it's 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 definitely uh, two very different things that these these um, uh, institutions are looking at. Then, uh, in terms of the Jigs um, presentation, the part on Chapter Ten that deals with uh, recommendations of the investigations. Now, if we go back a little bit um, to a presentation in our last engage engagement that we had with the SIU. Um, something that was outlined there was that failure by accounting officers to implement recommendations and the problems that the SIU is uh, experiencing in that regard. Now, um, we should foresee that there might be a uh, a possibility of the very same thing um, happening uh, with JICS. So um, I just want to know how confident um, does JICS feel that the current uh, draft of this bill will sufficiently prevent instances uh, where you have failure of um, implementation of recommendations. Um, if not, uh, don't I think that um, a, a bit more legislative powers should be added in terms of that very specific uh, uh, problem that might uh, come to the fore? Um, then uh, in terms of the DCS presentation, the very nature of independence of JIGS, I think... Uh, necessitates financial accountability not being uh, towards DCS. Um, and and I'm, I'm quite happy with uh, what the recommendations um, in terms of that was. Um, but then there's another thing. Um, if we look at the accountability towards the inspecting judge, which is fine, and the minister. Now, by extension, I think this gives 
the executive arm of government um, oversight responsibilities. Um, I think it should more appropriately um, be situated in, in, in the legislative arm of, of government uh, to perform oversight functions. Um, so the, the accountability in terms of oversight should not be with the minister as such, but with parliament. Because we have a mandated oversight function that we need to fulfill. And I can't see any reason why that should not include jigs as well, as is all the other uh, 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 departments and, and institutions of state. Um, so that would be uh, my remarks and, and, and uh, possible recommendations in this regard. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Engelbrecht. I now recognize Honorable Kalangola. Thank you very much, uh, and indeed, uh, <clears throat> let's, let's welcome both the presentations. And indeed, uh, the intervention that we must uh, get both the interventions at, uh, at once uh, did allow us to measure the level of coherence <clears throat> sorry, between the two bills. And indeed, I can confirm uh, from what we are reading from both the Jigs Bill and the Correctional Services Act uh, Bill. The Correctional Services Bill, the coherence is there. That's one part that we've been able to measure. The, the, the first part uh, from my questions is the fact that uh, in the plan uh, of action, what I could only get is uh, that by June, the bill is supposed to be presented to the cabinet. But uh, I think uh, from one seated, the presentation would have covered this, that uh, this is the time at which the constitutional court granted the order and it gave us 24 months. This is how far we are in terms of covering that 24 months. Now, the, the, the plan of action must cover in terms of what the constitutional court uh, uh, should have told us. Because if we don't do that, the committee itself won't be able to measure efficiency. But how far, how much time do we still have now to proceed with the bill? Uh, what then needs to be done if we are late? So I think that aspect uh, should have been covered from my from my point of view. Did we have? Do they have a written provision uh, uh, in terms of uh, the constitutional court uh, 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 order? The, the second important issue chair, that is raised both by by both bills is the issue of na, na, uh, national or officials of correctional services being obligated to actually hand over information from the assessors of or, or, or to jigs was if we the committee would recall we have long uh, 
even before uh, Judge Cameron came, there's been a consistent problem of national officials of correctional services having been accused of not wanting to give or hand over information, necessary information to take assessors. So I think let us let us welcome that part in that if they fail actually to provide the necessary information, there are consequences to that. And those consequences are clearly stipulated in the bill, in both the bills. So I think... Uh, I, I, I appreciate that part very much. Thank you very much. That's the only contribution from my side. Otherwise, uh, it looks like they are doing a good job if we can just maintain uh, doing our issues on time with regards to the uh, 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 order of the concourse. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Kalangola. Namabondo Mise, Yako. Um, thank you very much, Chair. Um, I just hope Honorable Ngola's child is okay there behind him because it is dying. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I just wanted to say... Um, well, my meeting has been, has been infiltrated, Chair. There is a man who just hands on. Anyway, I, I just wanted to say... Um, I'm trying to to understand uh, both bills, um, and 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 I'm I'm, I'm I'm I think I'm partly covered by my colleagues. I just wanted to know how does the bill, uh, the Jigs bill, uh, being in place affect the budget uh, for correctional services? Um, that's my only question. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Namambon I now recognize Honorable Hall. Yeah, thank you, Chair, and good morning from my side. Um, Chair, firstly, in respect of two issues raised by the Honorable Engelbrecht and the Honorable Nola, in terms of the comments made by the Honorable Engelbrecht about the oversight and accountability model, I would want to say that one has to carefully focus on on the concept of independence in, in, in dealing with that matter. And if independence is uh, independence primarily from, from both the, the executive and parliament in terms of the, the functioning of, of, of JICS, then uh, I believe the, the, uh, the Honorable Engelbrecht's um, comments must be carefully considered. Um, of course, it is so that every institution uh, or entity which is uh, which funs, functions on the basis of, of public funds is ultimately for the use of public funds accountable uh, to to parliament to, to this legislature. Um, uh, but it, but I think his comments uh, uh, around uh, this and the impact on independence as well made. Similarly, in in respect of the comments made by the honourable Nola, uh, I would also. Uh, want to say that uh, we want to know as the legislature who is to be accosted in the case of, of deadlines not being met rather than the, the executive, even though we, we and it might be uh, something we must address as, as parliament in future, while we defer to the executive to ultimately come with these bills which must address constitutional deficiencies, ultimately 
in terms of constitutional obligations, lawmaking is our responsibility. And in that sense, I think his comments around timeframes and making sure that we do not fall foul of the deadline is, is also well made. Then just allow me, Chair, to make a few uh, technical observations. Firstly, in respect of the, the, the intended JICS bill, uh, the presentation talks about uh, in chapter three of the bill replicating or duplicating or working along the regional structure of DCS and regional offices. Uh, my, my opinion and advice would be that we should look careful into how we draft that specific provision for the simple reason that the, the regional structure of DCS is, as it is now is not part of, of its legislative framework. So it's an um, a operational model that was decided upon and, and through the years in terms of the presentations of DCS to this committee, it is a, a model not without its own challenges. So uh, I know there, there is a, a constant consideration on the part of DCS to, to amend the regions or, or even the regional model. So in that sense, uh, the, the plea would be just not to, to set in stone uh, through the Jigs Bill something that, that is a, a movable structure or, or, or system on the DCS side. Uh, then, Chair, in respect of uh, Chapter 11, uh, there was reference made to the Minister of Justice. I would think that uh, for, uh, for it to be uh, fully aligned with, with ministerial responsibilities, we must rather refer to the Minister of Correctional Services because at the moment, of course, there's a fusion between the Minister of Justice position and the Minister of Correctional Services, but that might not always be the case. And then lastly, in respect of the duties, powers and functions, I want to make the observation that it would seem the draft bill is still very much a, a replication of the current model which is very much much focused on, on the conditions of individual inmates. So I want to refer back to our previous engagement and plead that something be built into the enabling provisions of JICS, which would allow the, the JICS to bring out um, reports and recommendations, which is more of a, uh, a general or systemic uh, uh, addresses more of a general or a systemic nature, specifically referring back to the to the uh, references made by the inspecting judge today around the findings by our courts, very aptly so, in the past that the very architecture of our correctional services system lends itself to, to abuse of power and, and the consequences related to that. So I would plead that a some provision be built into the bill to enable or not at least not prevent Jigs from bringing out uh, those types of reports. Then I move over to the DCS uh, amendment or the presentation around those, Chair. Firstly, in respect of Section 88A, the presentation there, and rightfully so, indicated that it's to repeal the provision that the National Commissioner appoints the CEO of Jigs, but there's no indication as to what process would be put in place then to to appoint a CEO in future. And I think that that uh, information on, on what the, the ideas around that would be critical to ensure that whilst the, uh, I want to say the very blunt way in which 
the independence of Jigs were possibly or enabled the, the undermining of the independence of Jigs were undermined by the current provision. Uh, it would depend on how, with what provision we replace it, whether ultimately the the whole idea of independence is is reached. And then, and, and I, I want to stress that I think this is, in, in my, to my mind, chair a very important consideration. The whole, uh, the whole um, concept or the presentation around the classification of the entity, or what as it has been referred to, the the business and funding model. I believe we, as a committee, based on what we've learned not from what, as the state law advisors referred to the NPA and IPAD, but rather around the information regulator, must sound a very early warning uh, for all involved in this process not to repeat the mistakes that were made during that specific process. I would even urge everybody involved to talk to the information regulator. And the, and the, to, to, the long, uh, to cut the long story short, the reality is that the information regulator has come into operation five, six years ago uh, on the basis that the funding and, and business model would be sorted out. And it's still not sorted out. It's being delayed and plagued by the fact that our the, the different the, whoever uh, is uh, in the in the seat as the minister of finance has changed. Uh, but the reality is. Uh, I think it would have suited and served the information regulator better if, if if there was an insistence that that issue be settled before the bill is adopted. So, so that's just in terms of I think something we've we've learned. Um, and then, lastly, chair, in respect of the the latter part of the DCS presentation, uh, one thing that did uh, worry me. At the start of the presentation is that for long we've been informed as a committee that let's say an overall of the Com correctional services act was in in the pipeline and uh, given the fact that this committee is 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 burdened with a lot of legislation i would want to plead that if at all possible all of the <laughs> amendments or intended amendments to the Correctional Services Act be brought in one amendment bill. Uh, the, the latter part of the presentation sort of indicated that that is a possibility, but that that's not necessarily what was going to happen. Um, and just uh, so, so the request is really just whether uh, the process is on track to have it in one amendment bill um, in order for us not to deal with these in, in, in a piecemeal uh, fashion and to, to, to allocate resources in terms of, of time and otherwise in a once-off manner to deal with amendments to the Correctional Services Act. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honourable Werner Rahn. Honourable Swart. Thank you very much, Chair. Mm -hmm. Morning to colleagues, morning to justices and members of JICS and from the department. First, I want to appreciate the work that has been done so far. But, Chair, this issue of the non-compliance with constitutional court orders uh, and waiting until almost the last moment to bring those to Parliament has been addressed at the highest level of Parliament. I've raised it in the 
WIPS forum and in the programming committee. In fact, it was discussed yesterday. And the challenge that we faced with, from Parliament's perspective, understanding this is a complex issue, but we are now expected to deal with this bill. If it's only going to be presented to Cabinet in June, let's assume it comes to us in July. We've basically got five months to deal with a very complex issue which must go through two houses of parliament and be signed into law by the president. Chair, it's going to place tremendous pressure on parliament, given the fact that we've got other pressing pieces of legislation. Now, from the parliamentary perspective, from governance of parliament, there is now a ruling that where parliament has is given 12 months to respond by the Constitutional Court. Within six months, that bill must be presented to Parliament. Where 24 months is given to Parliament, that bill must be presented within 12 months. Now, clearly, that's not going to happen with this bill. And I understand the issues that have been raised about the funding, the challenges of National Treasury, and I support my colleagues' concerns in this regard. But this is not a new issue. Chair, we've been discussing this model for some time and it's regrettable that we are now faced with a challenge to meet a constitutional court deadline where there is no reading provision there's no no other way short of approaching the court for an extension of the date given the fact that the declaration of constitutional invalidity will kick in in december at the beginning of december so, Chair, I just wanted to express my concern and, that, and just to highlight the fact that the issue in general is being raised at the highest level of Parliament. We will try to do our very best to meet that constitutional court deadline. But one presumes then that either the executive, or in this case, highly likely Parliament, will probably have to approach the constitutional court for an extension and then have to explain what has been done so far to comply with the 24 months period that was given. So, but I do appreciate the challenges that the department has had. I appreciate the incredible work that JICS does um, with, with the, the liaison with Treasury, but this is a general issue that we're gonna have to look at as parliament as well. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Swart. Honorable Alma Nivo Druchen. Thank you, Chairperson. Good morning to everyone on the platform. I am not going to add to what my honorable colleagues have said previously with regard to the timing of bringing this bill uh, to Parliament, because you know, we, we are not going to have enough time left, or we're gonna, we have very little time left to meet the constitutional court deadline and their requirements. So I'm not going to add to that, but um, I would like to understand what is the delay in bringing this bill? What was the delay in bringing this bill before Parliament? Uh, Justice Cameron has already said that uh, the, the financial issue is still a big issue that's being discussed. Is it only that? Is that the reason? Um, what, what are the, some of the other reasons that cause the delay in bringing this bill timelessly before the committee. 
Then secondly, I wanted to say previously, I am a little bit disappointed that I cannot contribute more because the documents only came during the meeting this morning. So we've had no time to read. Um, you know, I, I can just listen to what was presented. So I'm not able to make a meaningful contribution, but maybe at a later stage, I'll be able to do that uh, if all the documents are submitted timelessly. Then we we have the NCCS present here, but I understand that the NCCS advise, are advisors um, of the Minister on Policies and Regulations. What is their contribution um, to this bill on the independence of Jinx? Because, you know, the... Uh, the Human Rights Commission and Jinx, you know, absorbing Jinx into human rights. Um, I'm not in full agreement of that because it's a specialized field that Jinx deals with. But I'd like to know what the NCCS's view is on the independence of Jinx. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Velma. Honorable Gladys Breitenbach. Uh, morning, Chair. Thank you very much. Good morning to everybody on the platform. Um, Chair, yes, I agree very largely with the inputs of, uh, of Honourable uh, Horn and Honourable Swart. I would um, just like to um, emphasise the urgency of, of dealing with this matter. Um, uh, JICS needs to be insulated, it needs to be independent, uh, it needs to have a sufficient uh, firewalling to make it able to do its difficult job without interference and uh, without uh, fear of uh, impacting on its tenure. So I would be very against incorporating it into an organisation like or an institution like the Human Rights Commission. It needs to be a standalone and it needs to be properly, properly resourced, properly uh, distanced and, and its independence 100% uh, insured and completely insulated. Otherwise, we're going to have the same problems that we have now. Thank you, Mr Chair. Thank you, Honorable Breitenbach. Can I get uh, responses, firstly from DCS and your team, um, Honorable uh, uh, the Acting Commissioner, as well as uh, Mr. Van Veik, on the issues raised by the members. Thank you, Honourable Chairperson, and also to Honourable Members for the issues raised. Um, I'm going to talk only to one and uh, um, request that uh, Mr. Sanzei be given an opportunity to deal with the others. Um, the, the issue that I'm going to deal with is the issue that was raised with regards to the action plan with timelines um, showing um, the roadmap towards meeting the deadline. Uh, we did uh, develop that um, jointly with Jigs. We're working based on that uh, action plan, and we can submit it to the uh, Portfolio Committee um, today. Um, because as we implement, we then review the timeline, given the, 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 the progress that we have made. The action plan actually assists us to, to catch up, uh, because uh, when we picked up on this task, uh, um, especially after October, when one uh, um, started acting as a, as a national commission, there, there was no action plan. So we had to quickly make it a point that we 
we recognize the fact that we need to work uh, looking at the, the deadline and um, outlining clearly what are the things that we need to do to get to meet the deadline. Um, partially, uh, Honorable Jefferson, I will just deal with the issue of the budget. I, I thought I would do only one issue, but I think uh, uh, Mr. Van Veek will, 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 uh, will get into the detail of that. The, the, um, the amendment um, uh, affects the, the, the budget of the department in the sense that at the moment, the funding that is uh, allocated to GIF is a transfer payment. And the CEO of GIF then needs to account to the accounting officer of the Department of DCS with regards to how the monies were utilized. So the effect of the amendment would mean that uh, the allocation to GIF will be appropriated like any other allocation to any other department or, or, or state entity uh, through parliamentary processes, of course, administered by by Treasury. Now, what it means is that the, the, the CEO of GIF then becomes the accounting officer and will account directly uh, with regards to the, to the, to the utilization of the, of the budget. Uh, so, yeah, those are the two issues that I wanted to, to deal with, Honorable Jefferson. I would then request three of the mission that is the fund base deal with the, 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 the other issues that we raised. Thank you, Acting Commissioner. Just before we go to Mr. Van, Van Veik, um, let me just uh, come in there because I suspect that he's going to deal more with the, the content and the technical processes. Just so that you assist us, or you might want to think about this and, and respond later. Because from where I'm sitting, uh, I want to just uh, put it out there that as, as we meet here today, we have, we're in a crisis on this issue. So that it, it, it's not polished, it's not glossed over. And uh, I say that for the following reasons. That would have been raised by Honorable Nola and as well as uh, both uh, Honorable Swart and, and, and Horn. In the presentation, you say this is going to cabinet in June. This is the 3rd of June today. Why in June today? It's the 3rd of June. We, we have no indication, firstly, as to when exactly is it in cabinet? Where is it? As we sit here today, where is this bill? Has this bill been uh, uh, presented and discussed by any cabinet subcommittee, uh, or are we being told it is on route to cabinet? Where exactly is this? Because the roadmap presented is very much incomplete, and I, uh, I hear you saying you want to come back to us about that. I want you to, as you come back, to know exactly what you were looking for. Um, there's got to be very specific timelines here. Maybe I need to start in this way. Forget about the 3rd of December. We have five months. It's now up, up until November. Forget about the 3rd of December. Um, the 3rd of December, that's your constitutional court space. This is the time that we have. Nothing in the presentation says, this is going into cabinet. This is how much time cabinet is asked 
to look into this and it must come out of cabinet at this point. Nothing of that nature is said. So there's, there's definitely no, no time, no timeline on that. You, if I were to give you an analogy of, of rugby, this is a sport I, 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 I play and I watch every day. There's something that we call in rugby, hospital pass. So when, 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 when you are given this ball, there's an opening that is going to, to attack you. Um, you just throw that ball away because it's about removing the ball from you. How the next person gets, at the same time he gets that ball, he is smashed into the ground. That's exactly what you are doing to us. So, so the legislature is getting a, a hospital pass. It must, it, it, the ball must die with us in the manner that this process is being done and unless properly clarified. Because what we have in the NA space, we, we, we normally take between two months and most three months on any bill that we have. Because it's not just a committee issue. We want to engage with the public. So if you come back to us in July, so it says July, August, that's, 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 that's the NA. And if we have to stretch that, and you get into August. And from there, you go to the NCOP. Perhaps one month if it's Section 7.5. So already, even as, as you are here, we already know that we have a crisis in our hands. Uh, with a lack of clarity as to where this thing is currently. The president is not given three days to, to accent to the end because he's going to look into an, a number of issues, including the constitutionality of what we're presenting to him. So, so unless we are clarified as to exactly, uh, so that we ourselves, as Honorable Horn was saying, we should be able, if we leave this meeting, uh, and he's even made suggestion about uh, making kind of a, a one amendment, uh, to one amendment kind of bill. So that we, we, we really look into our own, uh, uh, we're going to have a long constituency. Uh, we're going to be away for some time. Uh, that's a good place. So maybe before we go to, to Van Veig, to Mr. Van, to Mr. Van Veig, that is something that you need to, to come back to and, and, and clarify to us. I'll give you those few minutes and then at the end you indicate to us uh, in relation to these kind of worries on this thin and incomplete roadmap where we take you taking us. Because we can do as much as we can on the content and be happy about the content, fix everything else, process-wise, timeline-wise, we, we, it's pathetic. We just know it. Um, so I want you to think about that and come back. Uh, Mr. Van, Van Veen? Honorable Chair, thank you very much. Um, yes, I will respond to some of the issues that were raised. Um, I can just reiterate that uh, part of the background of this matter, uh, as I've alluded to, is that since 
2019, before the Sonke judgment in the Constitutional Court, Jigspill was created by Jigs. Um, the business case was also created um, and drafted by Jigs. Uh, the then uh, concurrence between all parties concerned, including the executive, <coughs> was that um, the issues surrounding Jigs would then be contained in a separate bill, ultimately in a standalone act. Um, and that the relevant provisions in the Correctional Services Act be repealed through that process, thereby also conforming to the then Western Cape High Court judgment, which was then ultimately confirmed um, by the Constitutional Court. So it's a process that has been engaged upon for quite some time. I can also mention that the Sonke case started from January 2017. And amongst others, the respondents were or are the President, Department of Correctional Services and Justice and Constitutional Development, Minister of Finance and JICS. And in those deliberations we had um, at the Presidency, it was then agreed at the end of the day that this is the road that's going to be followed. Um, that's when the issues emanated from the ring fencing of Chicks' funds, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> As a result of that, uh, the, the bill was then created, Chicks' bill was created. That was the idea. It was envisaged that finality would be secured uh, on the business model and funding model of chicks, um, confirming their con corporate identity. Because as I've alluded to earlier, that would then inform the content of the bill, depending on, on the final, final decision. It was envisaged that that bill would then have been introduced by no later than August last year, August 2021, that was the plan. And then it was found that um, no finality has been received or obtained concerning the, the business case of, of, of Chicks. Then a decision had to be taken that a short or brief correctional service amendment bill be drafted and taken through its basis so that we can comply with the Sonke judgment. In fact, if the business case and business model was, if it was approved um, before now, then that route would have been followed. And it was envisaged, as I said, would take place during 2000, mid 2021. Now, here we are with regards to the time left and sincere apologies on behalf of the department for any inconveniences caused. It was definitely not deliberate. But in order to fix the situation, we had to then create a draft bill, which has been provided to the Office of the Chief State Advisor, has been provided to the NCCS. Um, we are currently busy with DEFCOM 
then it's the JCP cluster, the JCPS clusters, uh, and cabinet uh, other cabinet committees, and then cabinet. The plan is still um, that we it be introduced or presented to to cabinet before the end of June. I know it's a very short time, but this is what we are working on. Uh, we will provide you with the action plan um, or the, the, the new action plan, if I can call it that. There was an action plan before, but it had to be replaced by this action plan we currently have to try and secure um, compliance with the, with the Constitutional Court judgment. It has also been discussed, and we have discussed this, and I've advised this as well, that if it's going to be impossible to comply timelessly with the, with the order of, of the Constitutional Court, <clears throat> that application be made <clears throat> for an extension on the um, compliance issue by Parliament, <clears throat> and citing, obviously, the reasons uh, with the background as to why. Um, I hope that addresses the, the issues concerning the so-called late submission of this bill. It is late, yes, we agree. But these are, with respect, and humbly we submit the reasons for that. Um, <clears throat> then with regards to specific areas um, of the bill, Correctional Service Amendment Bill, um, the issue of the appointment of the CEO, yes, we propose that the provision which stipulates that the National Commissioner must appoint the CEO is replaced by, uh, it's not replaced, but is enhanced by subsection 3, which talks about the appointment of the CEO. Uh, the appointment career incidents and other conditions of service, including salary and allowance of the chief executive officer are regulated by the Public Service Act. Um, but I hear also what has been said uh, by Mr. Horn, Honorable Mr. Horn, uh, concerning this issue that it does not address exactly who will appoint the CEO. Uh, that's a very, very good point. And uh, at the end of the day, we will definitely uh, discuss this intensively and urgently uh, between our management and uh, the IJ and, and, and his and his team. Um, <clears throat> with regards to the issues concerning the Jigs bill, um, I think Jigs will elaborate on that and will comment on that. Uh, I'm just going through the issues here. The issue about regions, for example. I hear what uh, Mr. Moon is saying regarding that. Um, and it does make sense. However, the structures at, uh, concerning the regions in the Jigspoor refer to the, to the regions as contained uh, or as implemented in, in DCA. So if it amends, then it will amend as well. But be that as it may, that's another issue and point for deliberation further. The issue about minister, uh, we are also of the view that it should refer to the Minister of Correctional Services. 
at the end of the day, he's the responsible cabinet member for the portfolio for correction, correctional services. Um, just give me a second. I'm just reading my notes. Concerning the overall of the entire act, yes, that we are definitely busy with another parallel process. Um, we are uh, almost done with the, with the discussion document, uh, which will set out those sections which have been reviewed uh, and have been found uh, to be possibly amended with the proposed amendments and the reasons for that. Um, we have been engaged with this process for the last two odd years uh, with regards to relevant research, international research, national research, uh, et cetera, et cetera, comparisons uh, with ratified inst international instruments, Mandela rules, constitution, and all other legislative provisions and amendments they do, and also incorporating issues uh, addressing um, GBV uh, related crimes, especially when it comes to issues such as minimum detention periods to be served uh, before becoming eligible for consideration for parole. So that is that is also a process, and it's uh, and it's envisaged or hoped that is the plan that as soon as the issue surrounding cheeks has been resolved about the entity, um, corporate identity and funding, and that that bill can then proceed. As I've mentioned, then there will also be a correctional services bill, uh, amendment bill, and not to do, do it piecemeal, but to incorporate not just the repealing of various sections in the correctional service act concerning chicks, uh, um, uh, but also addressing all the other issues that have been identified for the review of, of the act. But I think uh, it's, it's it, we all could appreciate that that is quite a lengthy process uh, and taking it through the process of amendment will also be a much lengthier process than just proceeding with the short correctional service amendment bill. Um, so the idea was with this correctional service amendment bill is to comply with the constitutional court judgment uh, and not raise uh, many other areas or issues uh, which stand to be, or we, which we propose to be amended for the sake of time. So that will, is, is being addressed and, and we are definitely busy with that. Um, time, timeline, uh, it's envisaged that before the end of October, the discussion document will be finalized uh, and then it will be circulated uh, for discussion before we start uh, with the drafting process. Um, we are well aware that, uh, and, and we definitely as a department, um, would always want to provide our cooperation, ensure that this time is compliance, and it is true, as, as some of the speakers have, have noted, that they are, it, it's, it's a bit more complex, this issue, 
than just amending certain sections that have been found unconstitutional. Uh, as we have said um, ad nauseum, that it, it it hinges on on what the business approved business model and funding model of Chicks is. If that was resolved quite some time ago, uh, we would definitely have been past this hurdle quite some time ago. Um, let me just see if I've got everything. There was a question, uh, or there was a question or a comment made regarding what was uh, the NCCS's comments on the on, on the Correctional Service Amendment Bill. The comments related to Section 91 concerning the funding of TICS or the responsibility for the expenses of TICS. They were not happy that uh, with the provision that we have made or the wording that we have said that uh, it be appropriated um, from Parliament. Uh, we are still of the view that um, in light of the uncertainty as to the funding model and the source and origin of funds for, for chicks, that there's no other option really to, to, to amend it any other way, uh, whilst we still have to comply with the court order. Um, yes, and Honourable Mr. Uh, Mr. Chair, um, hopefully I've addressed all the concerns, all the issues and questions raised. If not, um, I will gladly uh, hear further questions or follow-up questions if needed. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Panay. Uh, inspecting Judge and your team, perhaps uh, your turn to um, engage or respond on any issues raised uh, to, towards you or comments you want, to, you want to make. One issue I wanted to check with you and your team the, in the consultation process, I on the stakeholders listed, there doesn't seem to be a, a significant stakeholder listed, which is Sonka Gender Justice. Um, if you want to speak to that, whether up to this point, there has been meaningful engagement with them uh, so that it's not an afterthought or it will be difficult to just treat them like any other when they have been part of the genesis and, and part of this process. Comments on that will be welcome. I hand over to you and team. Thank you very much, Mr. Chair. Let's start with Sonke. We've been highly attentive to Sonke because they initiated the litigation. The fact is, <clears throat> Mr. Chair, very sadly, that Sonke no longer has a prisons project. Uh, we checked up on that, we rechecked up on that, and to that extent, we've kept them fully in the loop. Uh, and we are just more generally, we are in consultation with all the bodies operating in the NGO sector. We have established uh, closer links with them in the last few years. Mr. Chair, uh, let me be blunt. Uh, the first is that uh, what I'm not going to do, uh, with the greatest restraint, I'm not going to engage in a, in a blame game about the delay. Uh, your members and from all parties, from EFF, from ANC, from DA, uh, have, have expressed their disquiet. Uh, there was a timetable, and I, I, I will bite my tongue uh, about saying anything more. I will also say, Mr. Chair, that the 
Interdepartmental Assessment Committee finished its work long ago. And the, the, the only roadblock arose from then Minister of Finance, uh, Minister Tito Mbaweni, who made this suggestion, which I'm very glad to say, uh, sides of, 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 of the law, <clears throat> this committee views rightly with skepticism. Uh, that has impeded uh, our progress. The bill itself, Mr. Chair, very important for me to make this point with great respect and with great deliberation to your members. Many of the issues which your members have raised are explicitly dealt with in the bill. For example, the appointment of the CEO, for example, the appointment of, of, of the IJ. And let me, uh, let me for example, uh, take a further uh, instance that Mr. Horn raised. Are systemic recommendations permitted? Yes, they're not, they're not precluded. The, the JICS bill deals with consequences of non-implementation. It's a great step forward. It says to the department, if you don't implement, you've got to give reasons why. And there are remedies provided in the bill. Now, I say all of that, Mr. Chair, to make a profound and important point, and I make it with some measure of emphasis and passion. I ask this committee not to do a Band-Aid approach. The CSA amendments are a Band-Aid approach. We, we uh, she says there must be sufficient. What we need to do for sufficient firewalling is two things. Minister Lamola is at present engaged with Minister Borongwana to ensure a means to provide the, uh, the, the funding for the point that uh, that I think it was uh, Minister Horn, uh, uh, your Honourable Member Horn, who also made that not be piecemeal like with the information regulator. We accept that we need a funding guarantee before we can press for our institutional autonomy, which is linked to the JICS bill. The JICS bill is complete. Apart from the small points which Mr. Horn and your other members raised, the JICS bill is polished, it's as complete as the proposed amendments. What I'm submitting to the committee, Mr. Chair, is that these processes must go ahead in parallel. And it is essential for JICS to have its sufficient firewalling, that it have its own statute, which deals with the uh, issues that the Constitutional Court raised. And that can still be done. If, if, the, if the CSA amendments can go ahead, as Mr. Jacques van Beek suggests, then the JICS bill can also go, provided that we, within the next few weeks, obtain the guarantee from the regarding our funding. It's not a deal of funding. Uh, I think that Minister Lamola has a practical plan there in his discussions with his colleague, and I believe that that can be done. I'm asking you to help us. This is my plea to the committee, Mr. Uh, Mr. Chair. Uh, the, the, the committee can, can direct a well-placed boot uh, in, into the people who are uh, creating this blockage, uh, and, and they can say that uh, they support the conclusion of these processes together. Blockage at the moment is finalizing. That can be done. We've made practicable proposals. We have the support of Minister Lamola. For the rest, we implore the committee that the CSA amendments should not go ahead in isolation, but that they should go twinned, as Minister Lamola uh, has explicitly said, 
and also Deputy Minister Patekila uh, Holomisa has explicitly said that the two pieces should go ahead. Mr. Van Dijk has already conceded that if we postpone the JICS bill, there will have to be a further amendment of the CSA, and we say that that does not make sense from any point of view. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Mr. CEO, uh, uh, um, Mr. Misser will want to add some things. Thank you, respected judge. Uh, any additions, Chamberlain and uh, Mr. Fisser? Misa? Mr. Misa? Once again, good morning, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members, um, Honorable Judges on the platform, colleagues. Uh, maybe on a lighter note, I'm not sure if the Acting National Commissioner can make a budget allocation for me to deal with the hospital passes at the moment, uh, because that would really help uh, Jigs uh, uh, to um, amend itself uh, on, on the hospital injuries uh, alluded to by the Honourable Chair uh, with regards to his uh, fantastic rugby match that's occurring at the moment. Um, uh, uh, more on a serious note, Honourable Chair, Honourable Members, I think uh, what is the most important aspect is that we've crossed the bridge. The bridge has been crossed with regards to the interdepartmental assessment. We've walked that road jointly with all members duly represented in that constituted committee, and that was established on the break of what we'll say the dawn of um, the COVID pandemic, March 2020. Um, that has been concluded. They've made their recommendations. They've made their submissions. We've extensively engaged them on structural uh, startup structures, uh, the funding model, uh, the phase-in approach, year one, year two, year three, aligning it with the MTF. Uh, those have all been done, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members. The problem that we are having now, the independence of Jigs in terms of constituting it as a national government component. I think that is the big elephant in the room. And once we have the funding in place, uh, just to give you a rough off, offhand sums, we are short of 45 million to be constituted as a national government component. Now, we've even made submissions, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, to, uh, through our minister, Honorable Minister, to uh, Minister of Treasury, on a phase-in approach, year one, 15 million, year two, 15 million, and year three, respectively, 15 million, uh, in order to conclude this entire project as being constituted as a national government component. Uh, be that as it may, this is still in the hands of our honorable uh, minister, engaging national treasury uh, to uh, sort out what we would say, the funding model. So we've passed this bridge. We've already been constituted as a national, as recommended by the interdepartmental assessment committee. I think maybe just to reflect on a few aspects, um, the one that comes through very strongly is uh, uh, by our Honourable Member Horn, who speaks about uh, Chapter 3 and duplicating the regions, uh, uh, trying to replicate that of uh, DCS. I think we should reflect on this. Um, uh, obviously, uh, uh, the state law advisors actually uh, indicated that we should align our, our footprint uh, provincially and not to that of regional structures. So I think that we should take strongly note of and pin that somewhere in our uh, notepads uh, to deal with further deliberations. I think another aspect that comes through from Honorable Horn is um, reports and recommendations of uh, inmates uh, that complains and dealt with accordingly. Uh, maybe just to indicate that we, we are actually uh, also uh, preparing and submitting 
thematic reports on inspections, like the Imbongweni uh, matter, like uh, the uh, pressure cooker of uh, uh, Mangahung, and, and it goes on. So there are thematic reports that covers general problematic areas within places of confinement that we share with portfolio and all interested parties uh, within the correctional services environment. Um, <clears throat> The aspect of delay, Honorable Chair, I think that has been canvassed already. I think it's something that we need to start reversing and working speedily to ensure that we try and speed up the process of making sure that these both bills, the amendment to the Correctional Services Act and the Jigs Draft Bill, runs simultaneously parallel processes uh, in the hands of our Honorable Portfolio Committee. Uh, the roadmap, I'm sure that we can update that and submit that in due course to, uh, to the uh, esteemed committee. Um, I think uh, this is my bit on, 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 on my observations on the presentation so far. And my last comment is that, um, is that Section 36 of the PFMA uh, does not specify that you've got to be a DG in order to be an accounting officer. Uh, it just simply says that uh, an institution or an organization holding that of a CEO, CEO can also be appointed as an accounting officer. So I think those areas we can cross as we walk along together. Thank you so much, Judge. Thank you so much, Honorable Chairs and Honorable Members. Thank you, Mr. Messer. Um, uh, Acting Commissioner, maybe before I come to you, Acting Commissioner, uh, I see the hand of uh, uh, Chairperson Magwanisha, welcome, Chair. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Chairperson. I have been listening with keen interest and I align myself with your summary and way forward. Um, Chair, I think one of the things that I think we can start doing is to write to the speaker. Um, maybe through your chair to write to the speaker and argue this case because I am I am I am concerned that this matter will go to cabinet and uh, the national treasury will be coming with a financial approach to a constitutional matter. And I think we have to argue it very strongly that the president needs to intervene uh, and ensure that he brings both the Minister of Finance and the Minister of Justice, um, because we can't sustain a, a situation where every time parliament is seen to be disrespecting constitutional court decisions. And this one is even worse because there is no read-in provision. So I, I would suggest uh, with all humility that uh, that letter should be very urgent. Uh, the president in this case must intervene um, because I was generally listening with keen interest. I don't see, a, I only see a worst scenario. Uh, honorable members have raised some certain issues, uh, which I would say uh, issues that need to be improved in uh, in the bill. Um, and the bill is not before cabinet, and cabinet will still have to discuss. They don't they don't just rubber stamp things. They can even send it back 
So I, I, I really do not see us having a good bill passed by both the NA and NCOP before December. But I think the Concord would ask a question that what whatever you are raising, it's matters that have happened within the executive realm. What has Parliament done? On record, we have not done anything. Um, that is why I think the first thing that we should move with speed is to ensure that that high-level meeting takes place uh, and this matter is resolved and we have... Because I do think that uh, the issue raised by Honorable Horn um, about the information regulator, I think it's a good uh, case in point. We cannot really be treating independent institutions a sub-directorate of departments. It's wrong. And so we have to apply our minds properly to ensure that we have really, at the end of the day, we have a bill that really guarantees the institution, the, in, the independence of, of JELC. And I don't think that we would be able to do that before December. And um, if I may just indicate, Chair, that there are about three or two or three bills whose, um, in fact, that we must finish by November, that are not yet before cabinet. They've got a constitutional court deadline. So your rabbi story is really true, that our colleagues are not, in fact, they are engaging in a serious reputational damage for the institution of parliament. A serious reputational damage, because when the Concord makes a decision, it says we give 24 months to parliament, not to the executive. Mm. Mm. Um, so I, 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 was just to, I was just going to suggest that a, an agent letter should be written to the speaker and articulate our position and the fact that we think that in the spirit and in the letter of the constitutional court judgment, Jigs should be independent, not to be folded somewhere else. And the president, when he makes intervention, he, he must take that into mind. He, he, he must take that into, into consideration. And, um, um, uh, and, and we should not treat constitutional matters as purely on financial basis. It would not work. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, uh... Chairperson Mogwanisha, uh, for that intervention. Very much helpful. Uh, that's certainly going to inform our way forward. Uh, Honorable Kolanwala. Uh, well, well, thank you very much. Uh, and I think uh, indeed what the chair did was a critical intervention, particularly because I wanted to speak uh, in relation to the image of parliament. I draw an inference on this. Uh, effect that the chair is saying that uh, there is a concerted effort to ensure that uh, our colleagues derail the work of parliament and tarnish the image of parliament in the response from the from the the correctional services department chair mr van veik is saying if the period expires we'll apply for an extension 
I I find those those uh, uh, sentiments utterly disappointing because one say we can't plan for extensions. In our planning, we can't include extensions in our planning because an application for extension is different from having been granted extension. Not all extensions that Parliament applied for in the Concord were granted. So we can't plan for extension on the basis uh, uh, that uh, we're going to give reasons. As though that those extensions that were denied by the Concord, there were no reasons given. I find those sentiments utterly disappointing, Chair. As we speak, Parliament is, is applying to the Concord for an extension in the electoral laws, which is an, an, an opposed application. So there are no guarantees of Parliament or Cabinet or whatever that when there is an application for extension, therefore that will be given. So I, I just wanted to register that before the meeting goes to conclusion that I find those sentiments utterly disappointing was we literally can't plan on, in, in our planning we include the extension that no will apply. And the mere application does not necessarily mean a granting of, 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 of extension. So in our terminology, in our planning, in our plan of action, we shouldn't include the application for extension. It's always there even if you don't include it. You have a right to apply. So it's a known facts, common cause. So you can't want to, to, to plan on the basis of that. I mean, it's common knowledge, I think, that if it expires, we apply for extension. But are there guarantees that it will be granted? No. So I'm, I'm, I'm utterly disappointed with that. Uh, Chair, thank you very much. I want, just wanted to register that. Thank you, Honorable Nola. Uh, I'm coming back to you as I wrap up, uh, Acting Commissioner. Any comments you want to make? Uh, no, thank you, uh, Honorable Chairperson and uh, Honorable Members and uh, the Inspecting Judge and uh, colleagues from from GIF. The, the the action plan that uh, we have and uh, and of course we're going to revise it uh, based on the uh, um, the outcome of the, the the engagement we currently having with the committee does not. Um, um, include or have a provision for an extension. I think that's the first thing. The second thing is, is, is that the, with regard to the content and the readiness on the side of both the department and GIF as it has been presented in the meeting today, uh, that work we have been able to do with, uh, we will also be able to work on the uh, proposals that way, or the comments that the, 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 the portfolio committee came up with today, with the required speech, this is a task to do it on a daily basis. The only hurdle that if, if it has not decreased our speed, has actually stopped us from making progress, 
is the financial motive here. Because as it has been uh, uh, clearly uh, presented to the meeting today, DPSA did uh, 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 concur with the, the business case and the, and the, the formation as uh, the inspecting judges indicated. The only issue is that uh, a DPSA is not getting to the space of treasure. We also cannot get into the space of treasure. And um, this is a matter that our minister has been dealt with almost on a daily basis. Um, the, we have made our presentation uh, of the bill to the development committee, which is a very critical hearing uh, house for uh, considerations or, or, or memos that are supposed to be discussed by cabinet. And yet again, the development committee raised the issue of the, of the financial uh, model. And we came back and uh, quickly briefed the minister and said to the minister, uh, we still are being slowed down by that part. So the sooner that part get, gets uh, uh, resolved, we will be able to move with the required speed. Yes, we agree uh, with the fact that uh, uh, we are very late. Uh, the timelines are not even tight. There's no enough time. Um, and for that, uh, would like to, to apologize to the, the portfolio committee. Um, um, it's very clear that we have put the committee in and, and the whole of parliament in a, in a position that is worth off with regards to considering the deal moving forward. Um, I just need to also state our commitment to working on the, on the task uh, together with him, with the speech and the, and the, the the, the application that we need to subject ourselves to. Those would be my 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 comments, uh, honourable chairperson. And let me thank the, the the committee for providing us with an opportunity to engage on this matter. Thank you, honourable chairperson. Uh, thank you, acting commissioner and your team. Uh, on that, can I? immediately indicate uh, to you and your team that uh, I expect the action plan before next week Friday. Um, I can't give you two weeks for that. Um, you know, we have examples where we there are people who have asked information that is in their hands. They ask for extensions unnecessarily. So seven days is what we require to get the action plan. And, and before our next meeting, I, I would need to have received that. Uh, the action plan also, which has been enhanced by today's discussion. Uh, I think that's, that's a, the critical point I want to, to, to leave you with. Uh, on our part, we'll take uh, to heart uh, and, and, and uh, seriously so the agent uh, interaction and communication with the speaker uh, to deal with all of these matters as in particular raised by the members more especially by by the chair in this regard um we, we were very much clear out of this meeting there's no ambiguity whatever happens whether it is the process or action plan and amendments we're clear about uh, our, our own sense that uh, all of that has got to happen with JICS being an independent body. Uh, 
we're not uh, uh, vague on, on that particular issue. Uh, I, I think uh, there are quite a number of other content issues that uh, would have been taken into account by Mr. Van Vake in, in that regard. Uh, we also have got a homework uh, chair uh, as, 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 as the entire committee of this oversight, which should extend into the whole of parliament. Uh, your point you made does need that we, we change tact. We change the way we do things. The point you made about when the constitutional court makes those directive, like the executive is part of an enabling process, but those directives are made to the to the to the nation to the to parliament, uh, to the legislature, and and therefore it means that we we need to reclaim our ground uh, in in every uh, step of the way. Um, in fact, with that. It does suggest that uh, when such a directive is made, we should be the ones imposing a roadmap uh, so that we don't ask an action plan today. The roadmap must be imposed by us because we are the custodian of that directive, uh, its success and failure. So that, that's a bit of a homework for what we have to do beyond just this kind of an aspect. Uh, so with that, on these two presentations. I want to thank you, Inspecting Judge. I, I, I am, I'm hoping you are not going to leave because I want you to listen to the NCC better uh, uh, and your team. Uh, also to thank you, uh, Team Commissioner and your team. And I want us to step up this and get to the next item, uh, colleagues. Can I invite you, um, Team Commissioner, to introduce the NCC? Then I'm going to be uh, welcoming Judge Machine in that regard. Yeah, so thank you, Chairperson. We, uh, yes, we, we are here at DCM to be part of a presentation to be made by the MCDS. This is an advisory body uh, for the minister, uh, directly responsible to advise the minister at that level, nature um, by statute. Uh, we have also um, prepared ourselves uh, to engage uh, flowing from the presentation that would have been made by the MCDM. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Commissioner. Um, Honorable Justice uh, Mashine, I want to welcome you, uh, leading NCCS, to our meeting of the subcommittee on behalf of all the members. Uh, that you you need uh, your team uh, in making the the presentation. So I will start with you, and I'm sure you will put your orchestra in place. Uh, but would welcome your remarks uh, in in this meeting. Uh, over to you. Thank you, uh, thank you, Chair, and uh, honourable members, our colleagues from Jigs as well. Thank you. Um, 
We are here because you, the Portfolio Committee, has invited us to apprise you of the backlog and relating to um, profile, rather, um, life profiles that we are currently um, dealing with. Uh, in doing that, we will um, seek to show what we have done, what we are doing, and whether it's worth persisting with um, what we are doing. If it works, it will be worth um, carrying on. Otherwise, it should be abandoned. Um, I think um, that said, it's important to start with uh, the structure. I'm sure most of you should be aware of the National Council for Correctional Services. But uh, I'll start by outlining um, what it is, how it is um, constituted. Well, um, its composition is um, there are three judges um, appointed or nominated and appointed by the minister, uh, amongst which he appoints a chairperson, and the other two become the chair's deputies. Um, we also have one member from the magistracy of the level of, um, he would be a regional uh, magistrate, uh, who is appointed after consultation with the, um, I think is the chairperson of the magistrate commission. Um, and then you have someone from um, the NPA, um, the, the a DPP or a deputy, um, and you also have two members from DCS. At the moment, we have one, I believe. Um, the minister has appointed one who will be joining us, but so far we have one. Um, and then a member from uh, the South African Police Services. Um, and we have one from uh, well, I can't remember the, the others, but uh, we, oh yeah, there's one member from a, a Department of Social Development. We don't have that, but we have written a letter to the authorities to appoint um, that person. We have um, operated without one for quite a while now, but I believe uh, we have embarked on that process of getting that member. Uh, we have two members with special knowledge of the correctional system, um, appointed um, also by the minister. Then we have four people uh, representing the public appointed by the relevant portfolio committees. That's the structure. Well, um, its functions. Essentially, what we do is to, we, sorry, we receive uh, profiles from the parole board, and we consider them and um, make recommendation 
of placement or further profiling um, with suggestion on what they should do to improve their chances or the inmates' chances of being placed on parole. Um, we also um, uh, either of our own accord or at the request of the minister um, advise on um, draft legislation and policy on the correctional system. The minister as well refers um, draft legislation and um, major proposed um, policies to us for advice and comments. Um, I can't remember um, now quite a number, but um, some escaped me. Oh yeah, we have um, we reinstate at the recommendation or on recommendation from um, the parole board. We um, we can reinstate if um, someone as parole was um, revoked, we can reinstate it, we revoke, and that requires the quorum of council. And then we have um, a review board, which is constituted from members of council. The number, uh, the number uh, was constituted by six members uh, being, um, the chairperson and five other members of council. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Oh yes, and um, now let's come to the real reason why we're here. That was just by way of background. And um, why the why this backlog? Um, in 2011, there was uh, a case called Van Veek where the court decided that um, um, the credits that inmates earn um, should be um, considered um, when um, parole is um, rather, yeah, um, when considering parole, parole and credits earned during incarceration should be um, considered. Now, that was, that's in terms of Section 22 of the Correctional Services Act. And that resulted in about um, eight years coming off from the minimum a number of years that was required for consideration for parole. There was 20 years. So from 20 years, as a result of the judgment, the uh, number, the minimum number of years became um, 13 years and four months. And in 20, uh, in 2005, there was, um, I think the president, um, there was a remission of six months and again, in, 12, in 2012, another six months, and that brought the minimum period to 12 months, four months. Uh, 12, uh, yeah, 12.4 um, years. 
for inmates to qualify for parole. Now, um, in 2012, again, okay, the, the, uh, the Van Vake immediately meant that about 4,300 inmates qualified for consideration. So even if there was no backlog, the council was then stuck with about 4,500 4, or more than 4,300 uh, matters to consider. In 2019, there was the partial judgment, which um, I think the Constitutional Court um, found some inconsistency and in uh, Section 136 of Correctional Services Act, which was said was inconsistent with um, the Constitution. Uh, the result was that um, instead of um, consideration being considered from uh, consideration of placement on parole being determined from the date of sentence, it became um, although the judgment said no, consider it based on um, the date of commission of the crime which means from 1 October 2004. And if a person had committed a crime in 2000, but was only sentenced after that date, 1 October 2004, you would then calculate date of consideration from 2000 and not from 2005. That uh, judgment meant that about 1,000 or more than 1,600 again, qualified for consideration immediately. So that added to the number of the 4,300 that um, came in in 2011. Um, I'm just trying to think where to go now. Uh, and now uh, for um, my... Uh, Visual challenge comes in now here. I should have said this before. I'm sitting with an, a member of the Secretariat, which is a body that is um, um, that helps us uh, discharge our duties to the minister. They bring profiles to us and they prepare them and so on. Now, uh, I'll ask the head, uh, Mr. Mbilini Twala, to go through the stats. If you look at um, slide nine, I think, or slides nine to 12, that's what you'll be dealing with. Um, there are tables, which I think requires sight. For that reason, I've asked that he should assist me. But from there, I'll take over again. Thank you, Mr. Mbilini, Mr. Twala. Uh, thank you, thank you, Judge. Good morning, honorable members of the committee as well. I'll start from uh, 
slide number nine, uh, which provides a summary of the uh, total number of profile reports that the NCC has. Uh, so, so we have a total of 3,053 profile reports that NCC Seventy of those that uh, were considered by NCCS, we are just waiting for an addendum for them to be to be finalised. One thousand and twenty-six uh, are subject to audit by the secretariat. The secretariat that is again, I want to indicate that in fact, were considered by the by the NCCS. Um, we have several twenty-six chairperson at the ministry. Um, we have 91 that are, in fact, uh, they are on the road to, to the ministry. They've been, as I've said, considered again by the CCS. We have 608 profiles that were considered recently by the NCCS that have been processed again to, to the ministry. We have 37 that were, in fact, finalized. Uh, they are on the road to the electoral PRR that will further communicate those profiles to, to the regions. Then, Chairperson, we have seven profiles that are yet to be considered by, by the NCCS. Then, we'll move to, to the next slide, Chairperson. The next slide, the chairperson talks to the fund-bake uh, profiles. The total number of fund-bake profiles is just as the percentage is 1,793. The subject is subject to an audit process, there are 567. The ministry is 597. On the road to the ministry is 80. And we are recently considered by the NCCS 289. On road to PRR, it's still seven. Yet, uh, not yet considered by the NCCS 285. Uh, cases. And then, with regard to other cases, um, subject to, uh, or rather, waiting for an addendum is two. Subject to the audit process by the NCCS Secretariat is 459. Administrative Hunting Daily 9, on the road to the ministry, it's, it's uh, 11. Recently considered by the NCCS, it's 169. Not yet considered by the NCCS, it's 282. The total for partner cases, 2% is 1,260. Just a breakdown of the cases that are yet to be considered by the NCCS, 2%. Um, 16 of the 487 were received in 2021. And uh, 471 were in fact received in 2022. Uh, thank you, Chair. I'll hand over back to to the chair to, to the judge. Sure. Thank you. So I'm just uh, lifting my volume. Okay. Okay. I think we are now on slide 13.
You are muted, uh, Judge. Please, thank you. I did not hear you, you were muted. Yes, no, thank you. Uh, sorry, thank you, Chairperson. Um, um, okay, I say I think we are now on slide 13, um, dealing with how to um, invigorate the uh, capacity of the NCCS. Um, I preferred earlier that we had operated with um, without one member from DCS, and that has been corrected. I think the effect will only be felt from the next meeting as she hasn't started. And however, we'll continue to have uh, no one from DCS, DCS Department of Social Development. And that is in the process. And what else? Uh, just trying to think, yes. Um, okay, now, how we have been, um, what is it that we've been doing to um, address the challenges concerning this uh, backlog of uh, life of profiles? We embarked on, um, I think firstly, we embarked on what we call an, an outreach uh, program that involves going out to the correctional centers um, to uh, talk to, uh, normally, okay, the purpose is twofold. We walk about um, engaging the um, inmates. Number two, we invite the um, professionals who contribute to the profiles that ultimately come to us. And we did that because the problem that we picked up was that the quality of the profiles that were coming to us were of poor quality, well, at times, not always, some of them were of poor quality. And we thought it would help if we could invite them so that um, they sit with us for the first half, um, half day to see how we conduct our business, how we um, start considering a profile of a, an inmate and how we come to, the, to a conclusion. So, and um, that way we find that um, they learn a lot and they somewhat know what we look for because the complaint was that they were surprised that sometimes we further profile um, these people when they have, um, or in circumstances where they had recommended parole would um, in fact further profile so that actually assists. Um, what else? Oh, what we also picked up is that um, there were matters that were not um, coming to us. For some reason, some of them fell into cracks. And 
we were confronted that uh, we have considered uh, profiles that were submitted later, whereas others that were submitted earlier were still awaiting consideration. So uh, we've asked some of the centers to assist us with lists of those uh, matters that they think um, um, have fallen into cracks. Um, yeah. Um, I'm thinking, so I just want to find out from Mr. Charlie if I'm leaving anything. Yes? What is it? Challenges and solutions. Oh, yes. Now, um, what is it that we can do? Okay, or, or another problem that we picked up is that um, there's a shortage of um, professional staff. What do I mean? I refer to um, criminologists, uh, clinical psychologists, psychologists who are major contributors to a profile without whom one cannot really um, make a meaningful um, recommendation to the minister. And there's um, a shortage. We would recommend strongly, and we intend to approach the commissioner in this regard to make appointments and finances permitting. And what else is committed? Sorry, I, I've just, I just want to see that I don't leave anything. We are almost uh, done. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, all right. But um, yes, from, oh yeah, um, I think what I must cover is this. Um, to address the backlog as well, what you've done is to, uh, or we have increased the number of times um, on which you hold these, or we consider profiles. Generally, I mean, um, ordinarily, it would be once per month. But because of the backlog, uh, what we've done is we sit at times for two weeks. And that's just a measure, an extra measure that we adopted to try and um, address the backlog. So um, that has um, yielded positive um, result. Now we are sitting um, at about 2,066 profiles um, that um, have been considered. And um, we are left with 487 that are still to be considered. Just a reminder that face masks must always be worn. It's not me. Um, no, 16 <laughs> number and, and then we we oh, from from the um, the 487 I think Mr. Trello said that 16 uh, is from last year this year um, we received that 487 so from that the balance from 487 16 was received last year and uh, the balance is this year um, and I think um, 
if you consider the fact that we had 2,566 backlog, we are now left with that for 87 overall. I think the strategy of holding meetings uh, uh, more, more regularly um, is working, and we intend to um, um, carry on with that. There's no reason why we should uh, abandon something that is working. Thank you very much. Um, I'll now invite um, questions. Um, may I just add that I am accompanied by other members of council and to mention them by name, we have Mr. Nkopo, we have Mr. Daimani, Dr. Govan, uh, Dr. Reverend Mukatini, uh, um, uh, Ms. Vragazi. So I may, I have uh, mentioned Dr. Govan, yes, I have. Um, I will probably, some of the questions uh, will be, or I will ask that um, where I can't, I'll, I'll appeal to them to uh, either supplement what I may say, or if it's what I, if what I say is sufficient, then that will be the end. Thank you. Chairperson, over to you once more. Thank you, Justice Shile, for that uh, presentation. Um, if uh, the team can just remove uh, the presentation, and I want now to invite honorable members to connect with the presentation, your comments, questions, uh, and contributions, please, to the presentation by NCCF. I, I, I note Honorable Nivot Drachen. I recognize you, Honorable Nivot. And can the Secretariat spot Honorable Nivotin, please? I'm chairperson, thank you. Thank you to the team from NCCS and good morning to you, Judge. Um, I am Wilma Nuhodruchen, I'm a member of the committee, I am deaf and I'm using a sign language interpreter. It's her voice that you are hearing today. And thank you very much for your presentation. I see that on slide four and five, there is an outline of who are the members that constitute the council, um, constituted by the minister. However, I am not clear on 83.2.G. Um, the two in the act says two people with specialized knowledge of the correctional services system who are not in full-time service of the state. Um, who appoints those two specialists? Is it the minister or is that from the NCC? And then further, it has more people who are not in full-time employment of the state, but are represented um, in consultation. Uh, the, they are appointed in consultation 
um, with Parliament. So I'd like to ask about them as well if they are there. Also, in the list of people, I see nobody there uh, from the parole board who is on the council. So I would like to know how often does the NCCS meet with the parole boards? My following question, part of the reason I ask this is that I would like to know that the victims of crime, they, you know, does the NCCS ever interact with the victims of crime before a decision is made to grant an offender parole or not? In the constituency where I work, the victims or the community are not informed or they're not aware when an offender becomes eligible or when he goes out on parole. And of course, they go to SAPS to ask for information and SAPS themselves say they know nothing about inmates who are released on parole because the parole board uh, does not inform them. So nobody informs the victims about inmates being released on parole. So does the NCCS um, meet or make contact with the victims or the community um, where the victim lives before a, deci a decision is made to release an offender on parole. And the following question, you stated that there are people, there's nobody from social development who's appointed on the council. I would like to know that how long um, has this position or this post been vacant? Perhaps if the person from social development was there, they could give more assistance and feedback to ensure um, that, you know, to assist in terms of psychological uh, counseling and assistance to the victims that, you know, that information could be shared in the council. Furthermore, um, in your meetings, um, you meet two or three days for every month. So what I'd like to know is the actual number of meetings. So is it just that two days or three days in, in the month? And then in terms of the poor quality of reporting, I'd just like to get clarity on that section. Where did that come from? Is that the department officials who have a poor quality of reporting? Um, and thank you, Chair. Those are all of my questions. Gee, um, this is uh, helpful. Thank you, Honorable Valma Nevot. Uh, Judge Mashile, I, I, I could notice that you, you wanted to respond as she was asking. So, Chairperson, if I could just intervene, I'll tell you what, because I can't write the questions down. Okay. Uh, uh, one, uh, I would rather take one person at a time and uh, to have 10 questions at a time. I can't remember everything. Oh, obviously, I, I suppose some of the members must have written the questions down and they'll remind me what um, that, 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 that's fine. What we'll do, we yes. should normally do in the subcommittee. So we'll, we'll ask you to respond to each question at the end of it. So, like now, I want you to come in and respond to the issues raised by Honorable Valmani. But before I go to the next uh, member, member, yes. Okay. If I, yeah, now, as I say, I can't remember each and every question, but she raised so many. Right. And if you can just go to the first one quickly. 
who appoints sorry, all members of the NCC as appointed by the minister, uh, either after consultation with one of the um, uh, in, in um, for example, in the case of the SAPS, it will be in consultation with the National Commissioner. In the case of the NDP, uh, the, the DPP or his deputy, it would be um, the NDPP, National um, Director of Public Prosecutions, or Batoi, in this Ms. Batoi. And um, the, um, I've said that they're all appointed by the minister. So even the four that you raised are appointed by the minister. And in that case, with um, uh, after consultation with the relevant uh, portfolio committee, uh, parliamentary committee, yes. And then your third question. When do we meet with? Um, my third oh, question. No, we, we, we don't uh, meet with, um, yeah, subject to correction, yes, we don't uh, meet with the parole boards. They hold their own meeting. They make recommendations to us, um, which we then consider and um, recommend and forward to the minister. Oh, yes. The system, do we meet with um, the victims? The system is inherently built um, to, to accommodate uh, victims, either through the process of VOD before or ideally. I'm not saying it's happening always. Um, a mistake might have happened in the past. Ideally, before um, someone is uh, placed on parole, the victims should know that this person will be released. Normally, there's this process um, where the victims are and the offenders meet. The offender would um, ask for forgiveness and all that. So that process does take place. At times, the victims would say, no, I cannot, um, uh, I don't want to meet the uh, offender in which case they are asked whether they want to make written representations. Um, if they don't, um, then um, the victims will, if they qualify, if they've been rehabilitated, they would be placed on parole. But generally, it shouldn't happen that um, um, the, uh, a victim does not know that someone is coming um, would be placed on parole. Yes, um, that um, position of DSD member um, has been vacant for probably a year or two. Um, there was someone in 2019 and 2020, but I think she was recalled, but she was never replaced with another person. And then? Um, uh, I said ordinarily, it's once, uh, sorry, the meetings of the NCCS 
uh, once per month for three days. And, and then the special meetings that I referred to, what we call marathon meetings, to address the backlog, we would um, take a week from uh, Monday to Friday. But the ordinary meetings of council uh, once per month for three days. Yes. Uh, the, I'm not sure what was about poor quality. Um, uh, do you want to repeat that question? I'm not sure that I understand. I did mention that we picked up that the quality of profiles that we received were not um, up to standard, which um, uh, prompted us to go out there and make the people who contribute towards um, these profiles aware that um, the, uh, the reports were such that we could not um, this thing uh, based our decisions thereon. And uh, I think there was, um, there were some members of um, council, Marada Marimas had been involved in the training of psychologists. Um, who else? I only know of um, Ms. Radaiman. I'm not sure whether other social workers and um, so social workers, psychologists, and um, criminologists who don't have uh, that much, but um, the two psychologists and the social workers, um, we always have their reports and we don't make decisions without those. So, but um, as I say, I'm aware that uh, Ms. Radaman was involved. Perhaps you would want to come in here. Can I invite you, Ms. Radaman? She's muted. Yes, Judge. I don't know oh. if you can hear me. Yeah, we can. I tried to raise my hand and I couldn't. Yes, if okay. In order, if I make yes, a contribution, Carry on. Oh. Yes, some of the, 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 the challenges that we picked up were, for instance, uh, copy and paste. That was common among psychologists and social workers. And uh, they would not make a recommendation. The NCCS does not meet the, 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 the offenders. So we rely entirely on the reports of the psychologist, the social worker, the CMC, and the CSPB. So when they don't make a recommendation and we have not had an opportunity of having an interview with the offender, it becomes difficult for us to, to recommend with confidence that this person is rehabilitated or is not rehabilitated. The other challenge that we picked up with this psychologist report is that they do not always do a risk assessment or even if a risk assessment is done, they do not give us the risk level. The risk level gives us some idea of where, in terms of rehabilitation, the offender is. So just off the top of my mind, those are the things that I come up, I come up with. There have been, of course, cases where the CSPB and the CMC reports would be identical, and it does not help us then we have to further profile or ask that that issue be addressed. Thank you. Thank you. Um, is there another question? Sorry. 
Okay, yeah, I think we have addressed all her questions, Chairperson. Thank you, Judge But may, may, maybe on, on, on uh, restorative justice, VOD, I'm not sure whether Dr. Govin would want to elaborate on what has already been said. Dr. Govin? Uh, thank you, Judge uh, and honorable members. Um, yes, uh, I would just like to comment that um, the NCCS is uh, very much aware of the issue of restorative justice and the participation of uh, victims where they are willing. And uh, we are very aware of the fact that it must be voluntary participation as well. Um, the VOD process, as you all know, was initiated in 2012. And the program is running quite uh, efficiently in most of the centers. However, in certain instances, we do find that uh, the challenge is that um, victims cannot be located. Um, but, uh, you know, when they do participate, if they want face-to-face -face participation, if they're willing to participate, then that is facilitated by the centers through the CSPB and the CMC. Um, the um, where they are not willing to participate, they they are given the option of making representations, written or oral, as the judge has mentioned. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, Honourable Nola. Well, thank you, Chair. <laughs> uh, mine is just one question uh, relating to the offender profiling issue. You know, if you recall when we went to Danzane Correctional Center, the community corrections report there was that over a thousand parolees, a much serious majority of them have absconded without having been traced the department is failing to trace them, so they are brought back to incarceration. Now, with the profiling business, uh, to what extent does the NCCS uh, assist in situations like those? Uh, thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, uh, Honorable Mola. Precise. Judge uh, Mashile? Um, uh, perhaps I should, um, I'm, I'm not aware of those who have absconded, but um, let me invite um, members. Mavilagaz, do you want to come in here, perhaps? Is she here? Yes, I'm, I'm here, Chashanka. Oh, yes, okay. If I, I, I definitely not aware of any yeah. abscondment. Yeah, especially a thousand. Yes, no. Yeah. Unless maybe the question can be rephrased, I'm not sure that I fully understood it also. We will rephrase it because it might not have to do with lifers, but uh, Honorable Nola? Oh, yes. No, Chair, I think uh, the Tanzania issue was just an example. But, yeah, the, actual, but the actual question is, how does the NCCS assist in situations where you have a number of lifers who have been placed to parole, but have absconded uh, without being traced, having been traced successfully by the department. In that situation, in the profiling uh, a program, is there a way where you assist those kind of situations? Thank you. 
Thank you, uh, Justice Mashile. Um, so uh, the question, if I understand it, is that yes, um, I, I do uh, reiterate that we do not meet, we meet the um, parole boards through their reports. Um, you remember that they consider the reports of the social, worker, uh, social workers, psychologists, and the CMCs. They then compile their report, which comes to us, well, uh, their, their reports, which come to us. And um, yeah, um, that's all. Um, and again, let's make a distinction. The only part of the profiles uh, that come from the parole boards that come to us are lifers, nothing else. So um, yeah, I don't know whether there is um, the and or I should say, I spoke about outreach. And when I said um, profiles were rather of um, poor quality, um, we invite parole boards, the CMCs, social workers, and uh, psychologists to the first day of our, meet of our meetings when we visit these centers. So in that sense, yes, we do, with, uh, we do meet with uh, parole boards. So maybe I should retract there. But we don't have formal meetings where we sit with the parole. It's a different structure altogether from ours. It considered determinate um, um, sentences or inmates who have been sentenced to determinate sentences. Okay. And I can invite um, any of the members um, to uh, say elaborate if they think it's necessary. Chairperson, it would seem uh, no. Yeah, I think. Uh, Hello, uh, Thank you, Chair. I just wanted to say that there was a question that um, uh, um, that the, the previous speaker asked, and I just want to say that the the reason that we we don't meet with the the, the parole board, I believe, is to give us a objectivity. We they make their recommendation. And then that comes to us with the whole profile. And then based on our experiences and our expertise, then we engage on that level, whether or not their decision we believe is correct. And then also there was a question, what happens if we make a, what the, 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 the meeting with the, the, the correct, uh, with the parole board, CMCs and, answers some of their questions because most of the comments we receive after those meetings are now we understand better what we need to do and they're allowed to ask questions and we explain to them what exactly it is that will make a good report okay thank you your last word uh, judge uh, Masile. um no, but nothing really other than uh, to say that it would appear from uh, what we've said uh, that the measures that we have taken to address the backlog are working. And as I said, there is no reason um, to not to, to, to persist in doing what we are doing. If the number has dropped to 487, 
um, I think it says, yes, um, continue. Thank you very much. And thanks for the opportunity of addressing you. Thank you, uh, Judge Mashile and your team. We really appreciate the, the briefing and presentation. We obviously are ourselves are going to have to grow in understanding more the nitty gritties of your work uh, and, 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 and what you do. Because in the exchange of questions, it's clear that we need to, to, to do more homework uh, in that regard. I, I think today's presentation is going to uh, in, uh, allow us to become more uh, involved and interactive uh, with your issues. Uh, but uh, I think the progress you have presented to us is very much welcome. Uh, uh, thank you for, for that. We, we, we appreciate uh, uh, Acting Commissioner, any comments for our report? Yeah, no, thank you, Mr. Uh, we, we have also uh, and, and noted and we, we welcome the, the presentation. I must indicate that uh, uh, we have uh, put measures uh, to improve on the quality and the flow of the profiles from the correctional facilities to uh, ourselves as head office having put in place quality assurance uh, uh, team at the regional, but also at, uh, at head office level uh, through our pre-release settlement uh, uh, directorate in the chief directorate that deals with uh, uh, corrections, uh, personal corrections. So um, we take the feedback from NCC as very serious and we, uh, we address those cases where we have workshops uh, with our parole boards, we actually invite members of the NCTF just to give away without necessarily interfering with the independence, the objectivity issues that we raise. Um, in instances where there, there are those uh, problems with the uh, profiles, we address specific cases uh, and we also address uh, specific professionals uh, so that we make it a point that we continuously improve. Uh, on our side, we ensure that the profiles that are brought from um, correctional facilities uh, to head office for submission to NCDS meet the requirements. Hence, the issues will be around the quality and the content from the report of the professionals, which then is the decision feedback that we will then get from the NCTS because the NCTS deals with the, uh, the content. So uh, we, we also would like to thank the, the, the committee for giving us an opportunity to sit in and be part of the engagement with the NCTS. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson and the Honorable Members. Thank you. Thank you. I want to take this opportunity to uh, thank you, Inspector Judge Cameron and your team. Uh, the acting commissioner, Judge and your team, as well as honourable members and everybody in the meeting, uh, it was fruitful discussions. We appreciate. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chair, for joining us. At some point, I wanted to hand over back to you. Uh, thank you. The meeting is at this point.
Mr. Chair, Mr. Chair, before you go, please. Uh, yes. Sorry, um, Mr. Chair, on an unrelated matter, um, which I which I bring to you only because we don't have a lot of opportunities to discuss specific correctional services matters in the portfolio. Um, I can do it here or I can do it offline after the conclusion of this meeting uh, with you, <coughs> uh, which relates to the FET Certificate in Correctional Services Leadership Programme. Um, problems that that has arisen. Um, so whichever way uh, you think is is more appropriate, I can either do it here right now, uh, or I can give you a phone call after the conclusion of this meeting. Let's let's do that uh, just offline in order for us to bring it to a proper meeting. Uh, it's important the issue that you are raising, so that it's not just attended uh, as a, as a last thought matter. If you're happy with that, thank you very much. I, I I think I will do that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Yano. Thank you, members. The meeting thank is you. adjourned. Recording stopped.
personal correction. So, uh, in instances where there, there are those uh, problems with the uh, profiles, we are Thank you. Thank you. I want to take this opportunity to uh, thank you, Inspector Judge Cameron, and your team, uh, the acting commissioner. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chair, for joining us. At some point, I wanted to hand over back to you. Uh, yes. Sorry, um, Mr. Chair, your portfolio. Um, I can do it here or I can do it offline after the conclusion of this meeting. I think that has arisen in the conclusion of this meeting. Let's, let's do that. Uh, I'll start matter. Yes, sir.